So Hazel, you're from Musio. What is it um, and uh, what does it do? I am indeed. Hi, hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Uh, so my name is Hazel Savage. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Musio, an artificial intelligence company for the music industry. Um, we've been a company for about a year and a half um, to date, and essentially our company is a combination of two very specific skills that myself and my co-founder have. So I've been in the music industry for about 14 years, uh, previously at Shazam, Pandora, Universal. And my co-founder has a background in um, data science, uh, building artificial intelligence and um, computing. So really, we sort of came together from the idea of, can I identify a problem that the industry has that's hard to know if you're not an insider? And can he build something that this industry doesn't have the capability of building for itself? So we kind of started with that premise, but then really came up with the idea that, you know, when I was, um, actually, I, I was talking about it, when I was, uh, we were talking over 10 years ago, so when I had my very first job, I worked for HMB in the UK. And I, you know, that was my Saturday job while I was at, um, at uni. And I used to just put the, the new release singles out on the shelves every every Sunday night ready to buy on Monday. And on a really quiet week, there'd be maybe two. And then on a really busy week, maybe like five CD singles. Um, but then, you know, so that's a very manageable amount of music. But you switch forward to today and even Spotify announced that they have 40,000 new tracks a day uploaded yeah, on So, and I mean, that's just one of the platforms. You know, you look at UGC content, user-generated content on um, the platforms like, you know, ByteDance, TikTok, SoundCloud, all of the others. And you look at a huge volume in growth. So essentially what you're looking at now is you're going from a very small volume of music that was very easy to manage right through to a very high volume of music that's now physically impossible to manage manually. No one can listen to 40,000 songs a day. In fact, you could probably hire a thousand people and you still couldn't manually listen to everything. So that's really the challenge that we operate on. And we do that by um, automated AI tagging, automated AI search, and automated AI playlist. So I suppose even if you did get a thousand people to listen to 40 songs each, there'd be a lot of opinion from each individual on what that music is about or what's in it, whereas an AI will make quite a linear decision about, about things based on what, what the rules are that you put into it. Yeah, that's true as well. I mean, even if it was physically possible, I think the average human maxes out at about 200 tracks a day manually. Um, I know because I've had people work for me and I've done that myself. I've tagged, manually tagged tracks. But the real challenge is, is not just that, but the human is affected by things all across the way. So whether I've had my morning coffee, maybe I'll be less generous about the stuff I'm listening to. Have I had my lunch yet? Am I quickly trying to get to a meeting? Do I need the bathroom? You know, all these other factors that affect you know, I might, you know, be having a bad day, so I'm giving everything a very low score and I'm not very happy. Or I might be really happy with everything um, and just, you know, be a, I might have listened to five bad tracks in a row. So the sixth track, I give an amazing, amazing review or an amazing rating and really generous tag um, because the last five was so bad. And AI doesn't have any of that bias, so, so that's a, a real benefit to it too. Okay, so you guys picked Singapore, I'm guessing you're not from Singapore. I'm not. You can tell by my accent, can't you? Um, yeah, so I'm from the UK originally, um, a place called Darlington, so up near yeah. Newcastle. 
And I, I actually haven't lived in the UK for about nine years. I was in Australia for five years and I've been in Singapore for four years now. Um, and so I was here for work originally, working for um, some other startups. And uh, a year and a half ago, decided to try my hand at starting my own business. Um, so I was kind of in Singapore already, uh, but it turns out that Singapore is a great place to start a business and uh, a really, a really good place to, to build a company. Yeah, especially the tech business. Yeah, I mean the the talent here as well. You know, they the probably are listening to me now as they're, they're, I'm sat in the office as I'm talking to you. But uh, yeah, we found that you know actually as a company. Musio was the first ever VC-funded music tech company in Singapore. Um, if you if you look at where other funded music tech companies are, there's obviously a hub in London, there's quite a lot in LA, and Austin and Nashville are becoming quite big. But really, in Singapore, we're kind of the only one that have raised money and decided to build in Singapore. So... There's disadvantages and advantages to being the only company. I think one of the advantages has been our access to talent. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, we, we're not competing with other companies um, for share of voice. You know, it's not like they can, there's not a, a development team here for Spotify. There's not a development team here for, you know, two or three other exciting music startups. So we have that kind of individuality that separates us out. Um, but the real challenge or the, the company we do compete against would be like the bank or the fintech companies. There's a lot of finance over here, um, which, again, is something that, you know, depend, depend, completely dependent on the candidate. But we've been really fortunate to find people who um, wanted to work for a company they were really passionate about, wanted to work for a company where they were really interested in and or believed in the mission. And that's enabled us to, to hire really well in this region. You know, that's always important for startups, isn't it? Finding the people that really buy in and give that extra commitment, I suppose, when you've not got 4,000 people um, to, to do your work. The, the, the one person that does this, one person that does that, they're, they're so much more important. Um, yeah. Finding those that really believe. You're right as well. With, um, you're actually one of the first people that said it that way around. That, um, we're competing with banks. A lot of startups say, you know, we, we're not competing with the banks because we've got a totally different product. We say, yeah, but you both want people with Python. You both want people that have used Go oh, yeah. or, or, or Google platform, whatever it is. So you are competing with each other regardless of your product because um, you're all speaking the same program. Language. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, I mean, you're always, you know, I think you need to be a bit of, I'm a bit of a realist and I think you need to be to say, well, you know, people work to earn money so one of those factors is always going to be the salary and one of the biggest challenges in this startup is that you very rarely have the ability to pay at the same level as like a banking institution and um, so then you need to think about well you know obviously ideally we're looking for people who you know we can pay fairly but are motivated by more than just the paycheck and then also perhaps more interested in the product you know there there probably is no end of um you know back-end banking and login systems and money moving systems for any of the huge players in singapore but the chance to kind of work for you know singapore's first music startup i think is probably a little bit attractive especially to people who are particularly passionate about music perhaps they play instruments as well um and they want to do something that they that they love. And then the other thing that I think we can do to help compete is we like to bring the best of kind of English and, and kind of Swedish uh, 
like workplace practices to our company. So we have um, a more generous holiday allowance than a lot of the traditional companies here. Uh, we're very flexible in terms of in terms of working hours. Um, it's not a corporate dress policy. It's a very very flat structure um, for our hierarchy and various other things that you know. I think I've sort of taken the best of the things that I liked at the companies I've worked at over the years, such as um, at Shazam and Pandora, and then really brought the best things into Museo um, to kind of help build what kind of a company we're going to be. Good. My, my opinion is always that people should focus on their company culture, regardless of the size of the business. I don't think there's many, I speak to about a thousand candidates a year, and I don't think there's any truly mercenary candidates out there that just want to go wherever pays them the most. I, I yeah. don't meet many of those people. It's just the circumstance that people are in. Some people are able to give some time like this. Others have other commitments in their lives, and they're just not at the same stage. So it's about the two coming together, usually. Um, but companies I, that focus on the culture do do much better. I, co I completely agree. I think there's a huge focus on you know why someone would want to work here and and how, how they would enjoy it. That's hugely important for companies of any size. And then also thinking about that kind of candidate fit. Um, I personally have always worked at either startups or you know new offshoots of existing businesses because. I consider myself a kind of, I'm a very sort of zero to one person. Um, but then, you know, usually it's someone very different who's your, you know, one to a hundred. Um, and so, you know, there are people that prefer the structure of corporate. There are people that prefer, you know, the, the kind of the rules and the process and, and having everything being really, um, you know, really stated. And then there are people who prefer kind of um, building the path as they're walking along it. And I think trying to find that right candidate for the right company fit is something else that's really important. Important when, you know, when we're interviewing um, and, you know, important as you scale the business, you know, because as well, we're kind of right at that size where I think, I think I've probably interviewed everyone that, that's here now, but you very quickly get to a size where that's not possible. So how do you, how do you ensure that kind of carryover once you're, once you're past a certain size as well? Yeah, Definitely. Well, that, that leads me into asking about where your company is at right now in general with um, the products, um, how that's performing or whether that's out there yet, um, funding and, and what you're looking for next. So where is it at now and where are you going in 2020? Yeah, absolutely. So in January of this year, 2019, uh, we raised uh, 1 million USD in funding uh, from VCs. And so I won't be looking to raise more funding till probably about mid next year. Um, we're a team of 14 people, uh, all based in Singapore. And uh, we owe this last year. We now have uh, 12 enterprise customers. So that means we do kind of large scale artificial intelligence, a lot of custom integrations and a lot of custom delivery. Um, a couple of customers that I can talk about uh, who we've spoken about in the press, we work with Audio Network. Who are a really great sync company. So sync for licensing of music for film and TV. Um, they have a catalog of 170,000 songs. We've given them an AI tool that enables them to search on their entire catalog very quickly using an audio reference search. So the ability to drop a track in and then in two seconds have it search 170,000 songs and then pull back the 10, 20 most relevant tracks in a couple of seconds rather than 
have to kind of think, well, what have we got in the database? Let me find this person. Where's that track? And who did that last week? And maybe try some keywords. So basically, AI-powered tools to the audio network. And they have nine offices globally. So they're a, a really great one uh, that we're working with. And also um, another great sync company called Overpost, uh, who are a boutique agency, offices in London and the US, um, who basically needed us to tag their catalog. So again, where, you know, even if a catalog is five, 10,000, 20,000 tracks, doing it manually is no longer the most cost-efficient um, or accurate way of doing it. So, so we work with them on their, on their catalog tagging. So yeah, and, and a lot of others that are super exciting that I um, that I can't talk about quite yet, but it's all going well. You're all right. It's not that type of interview. I won't push you, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a hard journalistic interview, lots of friends. Yeah, I've just done Louis Theroux's book, so I should now be an expert at pushing people into giving me um, really secret answers. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay, good. In terms of... Something that I wanted to ask you about, we touched on it a little bit before with um, the, the competition in Singapore, I suppose, but with you as a business leader um, and with spotlights and things like women in tech, what are your thoughts on opportunity, especially in machine learning and in the areas of data engineering in, in Singapore or your experience anywhere? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough one as well because um, even though I'm the CEO of a tech company, I'm not the technical co-founder. Um, so, you know, I find that having a good understanding of the technology is, you know, it's absolutely essential. I need to be able to understand what we do so I can explain it and sell it to other people. Um, but I can do that without being able to, to code myself. I think it's really interesting, actually, because I, I organized a dinner the other night and I, you know, I was like, I'm just going to invite all my favorite CEOs and, because I, I met my co-founder through a startup incubator called ES. Yeah. And so, you know, ES was, they definitely had more uh, men than women. That's just how it goes when it comes to applications. Um, and then when I, you know, I found when I was putting together my shortlist, I was like, oh, there's not as many women on here as there should be. You know, I'm trying to, trying to throw a nice sort of 50-50 balanced dinner party. And I was really, really struggling to, to find uh, female CEOs. To, to invite uh, apart from myself and so I think it is something that like I feel I want to be proactive about to make sure there are opportunities um, I think it does as, a, as an industry as, as, a, as an entrepreneur and a founder it definitely does still skew towards there being more men um, however there are these great kind of enclaves uh, where women get together and exist so there's a really great online community called Alpha which was started by um, two women that used to work at Y Combinator in the US. And I love that. It's an online community. And there's also one in Southeast Asia called She Loves Tech, uh, run by um, a woman called Leanne. And again, you know, these opportunities where we come together and we work on stuff together are really important. And I think, I guess, technology more than anything has made it really instantly accessible for me to meet Leanne through Instagram, for me to be a part of the Alpha community um, without being based in the US. But the, I think the reality of the day to day, it's still, there, there still seems like there's a lot more men that are founding and starting companies. Um, but I was really pleased as well because I was having a chat with our lead investor the other day and he said that 25% of all their um, founders that they funded are women. So, I mean, that's a 
that's a really high percentage given the uh, the kind of global standards. So I think it's it, it's changing. It's out there, but you've got to do a little bit of discovery um, to kind of find the find the communities and, and find where they are. But I'm I'm happy to go looking. What are you finding um, in Singapore with when you're interviewing? I'm guessing you get a lot more applications from from men because there's just more men at the moment in in data science in Singapore. But are you thinking about how you could try and make it more equal in your in your own company? Have these things um, cropped up? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think you. I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, the 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 fact of the matter is, if if we put up a a role for data science or for um, a developer's role, uh, the chances are that we're going to get something along 90% plus applicants are going to be male. Um, I think interestingly as a company though, you know, we're sort of um, relatively diverse in, te- in terms of along gender lines, but also the other element to factor in in Singapore is diversity along um, racial lines. And it's really important to me to have, you know, not just, um, sort of white European representation in the company, but to have Chinese Singaporean, Indian Singaporean, Malay Singaporean, um, and also people from other countries as well, um, Russia, India, um, Sweden, like my co-founder, uh, and to really have diversity across the board. And that's not always just a male, a male female thing. In Singapore, it's it's sometimes more complicated and more important to make sure you have a lot, a lot more diversity. Um, but yeah, you know, we're still relatively small. So, you know, all it takes is, you know, one in turn out, one in for the balance to now be shifted to not 50-50. But, you know, I think I think as, as a female founder, I put more focus on hiring women and probably more focus on hiring diverse, uh, a diverse team. And, and I think that's fine. I think all you have to do is just look at every CV as it comes in on merit, but also not discount, you know, your own your own prejudice and, you know, try and interview a variety of candidates. And it's working well for us so far. You know, we have really good uh, representation across the whole team. Yeah, good. I find a lot of people, managers in Singapore, ask me um, if we can try and focus on representing more female candidates and um, trying to balance up teams a little bit more. Um, And... We were talking then in relative terms because there's still, you know, when you say nine out of every ten applicants is a male, um, yeah. it becomes unfair to ignore nine out of ten people that apply for a role. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, but Singapore, relative to the rest of the world, is still really progressive. It's one of the reasons that we love Singapore is that um, both for gender and racial diversity, Singapore is still an amazingly open country, amazingly yeah. innovative because. Yeah. It's got a lot of different backgrounds and cultures and people. So, yeah, we wish Singapore all the best for that. I think it's going to get even better over time until you reach capacity. Singapore is still really small. So, (laughs) I think you're you're right there. What you said is, you know, if you're asked to have a focus because the team is trying to to hire more women, that doesn't mean, yeah, you're right, it doesn't mean ignoring nine out of ten CVs that they're receiving. It means Put a few great women forward. Put a few great men forward. They'll end up hiring the best candidate out of the top selection that you pick. Um, and as I say, I think I think that's really the best way to ensure you have a diverse team. I think 
you know, and I, again, I'm, I'm not quite sure what sort of size companies, but I think smaller companies sometimes have even more of an issue because it can be quite common for startups to get to kind of five or six people or even up to like eight or nine people and still not have hired a single, a single woman, which I think is a little problematic. Um, but then again, hard to know obviously I you know I don't work at those companies so I don't know who applied or what their processes were but I think yeah just to draw a little bit of attention you know I think if I you know if when I was working with the recruiter you know I, I would not expect to see um you know the top five CVs recommended to me to be all men and to be all of the same race I would expect some diversity and I think that's the, that's just got to be your starting point you know hire the best candidate but be open to, to meeting multiple candidates yeah. So just tech either, by the way, it's the same in recruitment. We um, have the same same issues with it. It's a very male-dominated industry. Um, so we're not, we're not the answer to it all, but um, it's, a, it's, it's important to draw attention to things up there. With, um, finally then, Hazel, what's next for, for Museo? Are you guys aiming at anything in particular at the moment? Well, actually, in the music industry, um, the Christmas period, probably from about 1st of December to the end of Jan, is a particularly quiet time um, because a lot of people take take leave. Um, so I've, I've got to, that's, that's not going to stop me, though. I've got a ton of, ton of stuff to be working on. Um, you know, all, all the admin tasks that I've been leaving until the end of the year it will be quiet. But for us, it'll be about closing as many deals as we can before the end of the year. Um, you know, having a nice sort of Christmas celebration with the team in December and then, you know, keep working hard uh, early next year until I have to start pulling together to do a, a Series A. So, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of the plan for the next few months. All right. Well, I wish you luck. I think um, you've got a product that's got a niche, which is always important. Um, there's not a ton of people doing it. Uh, the solution is useful. I'd like songs to be recommended in a better way. It's offensive when I'm listening to a subscription service and it recommends music that I hate. And I always think, you know, music's very personal to people, isn't it? And when somebody recommends something that's just completely outside of what you want, it's, um, it, it can feel as if um, somebody that you're paying doesn't know you very well, even though I know yeah. it's an algorithm. But... Um, I'd like it to do well just because I'd like um, the music business to, to be able to do better. And I think that it'll help lesser known artists and people to get their music out there. Because like you said, there's so much content that nobody can listen to. Or, and mm. now none of us buy albums anymore. We all just skip to 30 seconds through, think, does that song sound good? I'll give three songs off this album a try and then not listen to the rest of it anymore. So um, yeah. it'd be nice if there was a solution to that because I miss... I miss listening to whole albums. So. Mm, yeah. Starts to feel yeah. old. I'm only 32. No. Well, <laughs> well I'm, I'm, I'm even older than that. But also, I read a really fascinating article the other day that your music taste is really just the music that you discovered when you were 14. Um, yeah. And I would say that's probably pretty accurate. I don't know that I've massively updated what I listened to since I was there 14, which is a long time ago. So, yeah, but... The oldies are the goodies. I'm I'm perfectly happy with that. It's uh, there's no never a judgment on my part. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to listen to more music. There's too much of it. Hopefully, music can help with that. Well, um, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> thanks, Hazel. Thanks for 
thanks thanks again uh, for, for for doing this. Um, really appreciate yeah, you right. our, our first person. So you're very very special. <laughs> Excited for it. Thank you for having me. <laughs>